Well, good morning. Good morning, brother. It is good to see each of you here this morning. We've got a good number for our breakfast class. We're grateful for you being here and for our teachers in that class and for all of you for participating in worship this morning and for making this a priority in your week. It's good to be able to come together on the first day of the week and to begin our week in in worship to God. And so thank you for being here. It's good to see everybody. We're going to be studying from uh, 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2, and also from uh, the book of Psalms, Psalms 57. And so that's where we're going to be looking to in the Word of God this morning. But before we get to looking at those passages, I wanted you to think about how many different places that Christians have worshipped in. We're very blessed to have a, a building here, a church building, a historic building that we get to come to that's warm, that's cool when it's hot outside, and it's very convenient. And another thing that we uh, have here is the aesthetic beauty of this building. And one of the things that uh, we have are these windows, the stained glass windows, which are very beautiful. And the light uh, comes shining through, and the, the sun and the clouds, sometimes the light will shift through the windows. And it's just a beautiful uh, time in, in which in a beautiful place to worship in. But people and Christians have worshipped in all kinds of different places. If you look in the New Testament, a lot of places in which they worshipped were in homes. People have worshipped by the riverside. People worshipped in the catacombs. And they also, I found out, not too far from here, they even worshipped in a cave. Mammoth cave, as a matter of fact. Mammoth cave, 412 miles of cave. It's the world's largest cave in Kentucky. And in the 1800s, they used it as a church. Can you imagine that? Going to church and you're walking into a cave. And what they would do is, is that the, the members would take their lanterns and they would bring it up to the, to the front of the church, the front of the cave, wherever the preacher was, and they would leave their lanterns right there and he would climb up and they called it the pulpit rock. And so he had all the light. And meanwhile, all of the members were out there in the darkness. Imagine that. Can you imagine singing and praying and being in utter darkness? But that's the way they worshipped in Mammoth Cave, in the darkness. There is a darkness in this world, isn't there? There's a darkness that sometimes we have to live through, don't we? There's a darkness of depression. Has anyone in here ever dealt with depression? It's like a cloud that hangs over you and you can't fight it off. Sometimes you don't even know what to swing at, do you? But there's a darkness inside of you. There's that depression, isn't there? There's the the darkness of despondency. There's the darkness of indifference. Have you ever ran into that? Where it just seems like no one cares. That's a darkness, isn't it? The darkness of heartache. 
The darkness of loss, of bereavement, of pain, of sin, of guilt, of shame. What about the darkness of the unknown? That can be very scary, can it? There's a darkness to the future, isn't there? There's anxiety, and then sometimes we get the feeling that there's nothingness. There's a darkness. But what we know about God is that He is light. It says in 1 John 1.5, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And what is darkness but the absence of light? And when we find the darkness... It's actually the absence of the light. It's the absence of God. It's the absence of that which is good. In fact, the first thing that God created in Genesis, He said, let there be light. And there was day. And then at the end of the week, He created consciousness in man. He created reason, the light of consciousness in man. And I really can't think of a place that's much darker than a cave. And if you've never been to Mammoth Cave, sometimes they will go in there and you'll, you'll walk in there and they will turn out all the lights. And the darkness that you see, that you perceive, that you feel when they turn out the lights in Mammoth Cave is the deepest dark, darkness I've ever beheld. And what's interesting is, is in 1 Samuel, where do we find David? We find him in a cave. We find him in darkness. Now think about the story of David. Think about the story of his life. He's God's anointed. He's God's king. In fact, you remember that when Samuel came to the house of Jesse, it was kind of like that lineup in P.E. You remember what happened in P.E.? I was a little guy in P.E., so, and so was my brother. So guess what usually happened to me and my brother? We were the last to get picked for the team. Now, all the bigger guys, I want him on my team. I want that taller guy, that bigger guy. I want that. And then there, there'd be, what about me? Can I get on the team? Okay, come on, you can get on the team. And it was kind of like that for David. All of the sons of Jesse lined up and they were all bigger, taller, and they all looked like kings. But that's not the king that God desired for Israel. He didn't see any kings except for David, the young shepherd. Why? Because he beheld something deeper than the outside. He saw his heart. He saw what was inside of David. And David proved to be a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. But then we read about him facing a giant. His name was Goliath. And we read that story that no one in Israel wanted to have anything to do with that fight. No one wanted to fight the giant, but there comes David. And he slays the giant with just a slingshot, buries the stone in his head and slays the giant. And David becomes this celebrated warrior. 
And Saul begins to get jealous of him. It says that Saul slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And in fact, David goes on to marry Saul's daughter. He becomes a part of the royal family. He becomes best friends with with Saul's son, Jonathan. Looks like everything is going his way. But there's a problem. Saul hates him. He's jealous of him. He knows that, that he is God's anointed. And Saul has disobeyed God. He has rebelled against God. And now he is chasing him. So get this. God's anointed king, the one who slayed Goliath, the one who married the king's daughter, the one who's best friends with the king's son, is now what? A fugitive. That doesn't add up, does it? And sometimes that's the way I feel. Maybe that's the way that you feel, that God's pointing you in all these directions, but you end up a fugitive. On the run, and here he was in a cave. In fact, the previous chapter, he's starving. He has to eat the bread from the show table in the tabernacle, and he has to feign madness in the city of Gath. He has to act like he's crazy to survive. And here he is in a cave in the darkness. Have you ever felt that darkness in your life? He found escape. He found an army. And he found God in the cave. One of the... The things about the Psalms, the book of Psalms, is that when you read the book of Psalms, that you you can see vividly the intimacy of, of, of David's life with the Lord. Sometimes you can read beautiful passages of worship with the Lord. But also in the Psalms, you also see that darkness that all of us face. And in fact... There's several psalms that are actually written from this cave. Isn't that interesting? That you actually have these psalms, these these writings of David when he was in the cave. When he was feeling that darkness. When he was feeling that despondency. When he was feeling the heat of Saul on his trail. Is there something that we can learn from those psalms. If you will, turn to Psalms 57 and read this psalm that's written from the cave. He first begins, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. God is merciful that even when we're hiding... That even when we're depressed, even when we're not winning, when we're losing, when we're on the run, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, God's mercy is there for you. Be merciful to me, O God. And he goes on to say, for my soul trusts in you. My soul trusts in you. And isn't trust the currency of a relationship? Isn't that what it is? And really, the trust that you have with an individual, that is how you, that is the relationship that you have with them, isn't it? If you have no trust, you have no relationship, right? 
And it doesn't matter in what arena of life. How many of you want to go to a doctor that you can't trust? Will you take the medicine? How many of you want to be married to someone that you can't trust? None of us do, do we? How many of you want your CPA to be someone you can't trust? Wait, wait a minute. Tax time. But trust is the currency of a relationship, and the same is true with our relationship with God. And David says, I trust in you even though I'm in the darkness, even though I'm in the cave, even though I'm on the run. I'm trusting in you. One person once said it like this. If we can't trust Him for today, how can we trust Him for eternity? If I can't trust God for today, if I can't trust Him in the cave, in the darkness, how can I trust Him for my eternity? The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all of His ways and He will direct our steps. We have to trust in Him. My soul trusts in You. He also says, the shadow of your wings. Listen to this. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make refuge. Sometimes we feel those shadows, don't we? We know those shadows. We feel the coldness of the shadow. But sometimes the shadow is actually pointing us to the light. Can you have a shadow without the light? The answer is no. And if you know the shadow, then you know that there's light. One person said it like this, He who has not God in himself cannot feel his absence. If you feel God's absence in your life sometimes, that means you felt his presence. Even in the cave, even in the shadows, God is there and it actually can be his protection, his wing, the shadow of his wing. It also says that the calamities, until these calamities have passed by, calamities, distressful calamities, passing by. And there's that old story of the king who asked his wise men to write a statement, a sentence that was to always be true. And they came back with one sentence, and it was this, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And no matter what darkness, no matter what cave you're living in, this too shall pass. But David, listen to him. Listen to a king. I will cry out to God Most High. To God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. Now that's... That's the voice of a king. Who's he crying out to? He's crying out to God. He's humbling himself before God. He's crying out. He says the same thing in Psalms 142, another psalm written from the cave. Have we cried out? Have we prayed about it? Jesus says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in My name, I will do it. John said it like this, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. 
God hears us. There's no cave, there's no darkness, there's no place so remote that God cannot hear you. He hears you. Cry out to Him. And in fact, He says for His Christians, for His believers, His Holy Spirit makes groanings which cannot be uttered. He makes intercession for us when we don't even know how to pray. Have you ever hurt so bad you didn't know what to pray for? That's when the Holy Spirit helps us, it says in Romans 8, 26. He goes on to say in this psalm, He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth His mercy and His truth. God never divorces His mercy from His truth. That His mercy is conjoined. His his mercy is associated with His truth. And we have to live our lives according to that truth. Have you ever tried to live your life and, and not live it according to reality? What happens? Eventually it comes crashing in on you, doesn't it? I'll tell you what happened to me when I was a young man. I was driving home from school. My brother was with me and a friend. And we were going fast. We're listening to music as loud as it can go. I remember it was the Beatles. We were listening. We were driving. I was driving. You know, watch out. Driving down that country road as fast as we could get that car to drive. Unbeknownst to me, there was a curve in the road. If you don't live your life according to the truth, the road, and you drive off of the road, what's going to happen? Well, I ended up driving into a pig pen. Crashing into a pig pen. Tearing down a fence off the road. And we still had that music blaring. I remember we just sat there for a second. I turned it off. But how many times do we do that in our lives? If we don't live according to the truth, we drive off of the road and we end up in the pig pen, kind of like the prodigal son, huh? We have to live our lives according to His truth. We have to be careful because what does He say here? Listen, verse 4, My soul is among lions. There's enemies out there. Just as David had the enemy and Saul, there's an enemy out there for your spiritual life. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, there is an enemy that doesn't want to see you happy, that doesn't want to see you flourish, that doesn't want to see you whole, that doesn't want to see you in church. And he's got a lot of people working for him. There's people out there who will use you, abuse you, get over you, get around you, everything that they can, right? And David says, help me because of these lines out there. They're everywhere. But look what happens to them. Look what happens to them. They have dug a pit before me into the midst of it. They themselves have fallen. You see what happens when people are going around building pits for people to fall in? Guess what happens eventually? They back into it. You can't live your life digging 
holes for other people and you're not back into it. It says it like this, God is not mocked. For what a man sows, that shall he also reap. If we're digging holes and snares for people, it'll get us. I'm mindful of that story about that Austin bomber. Did y'all read about him in the news? It seemed like every day they were finding a box with a bomb in it down in Austin, Texas. And then I read in the news to where he was driving away from the police and what did he do to himself? He blew himself up. The bomb that he intended for someone else got him. And that's what happens if we live in an evil way. If we live trying to set other people up, it'll get us, won't it? But David says at the end of this psalm, listen to him, my heart is steadfast. Even though I'm in this cave, even though I'm in this darkness, it won't take away the integrity that I have in my heart, the love that I have for God in my heart, the worship, the song, the praise, the service. God, they're not going to get it. That that is for God. And that no matter what, this test that God has will turn into my testimony. He says that I will sing among the people, among the nations, I will praise your name. That what became a test now becomes his testimony in which he can praise God among the people and among the nations. That's what you find in the life of David. And what you also find is that God's mercy and God's truth and God's power are inexhaustible. That's what you find in the life of David. And you know what that means for you and me? That the same mercy that God gave to David, He gives to you and I. The same steadfast spirit that God gave David, He gives to you and I. And that there is no place so dark or so far away that God is not near. I want to leave you with one last psalm. A part of a psalm in 139. A beautiful psalm that says this in verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So no matter where you are in your life, no matter what cave you might be hiding in, no matter what darkness you're struggling with, God is near. And God promises that if we draw near unto Him, He will draw near unto us. If we seek Him, He will seek us. He he promises to answer. Have you accepted His call? The Bible says that if we want to follow Christ, the first thing that we have to do is to follow Him, to begin to follow Him, to believe in Him, to repent of our sins, those sins that destroy us.
those sins that destroy our neighbor, those sins that destroy our community. To confess Him to be the Son of the living God, that He is the light, and in Him there is no darkness. To be baptized into His name, into His church, into that body of believers. And the promise is the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're a Christian and you haven't, you got into the cave and you never stepped out. The Bible says that those who were distressed and those who were hurting came together with David and they lifted him up and they joined him. So if you have any need this morning, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.